It's been said, if you're not living on the edge, you're just taking up too much room. Well, I don't know if that's totally true, but I guarantee you, you're not catching enough fish and game, and we're going to talk about that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks as always for tuning into this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. We're here uh, middle of January, and I just returned home from a Sportsman's Warehouse store visit, and uh, I'm checking on some of the new stuff coming in there for springtime. And be sure to visit those guys at Sportsman's Warehouse, either at your local brick and mortar, uh, more than 140 of those nationwide, or at sportsmans.com. I thoroughly enjoyed my visit there today. Met some good fans there while I was there, had some good talk. And one of the fans asked me a question, and it made me um, think about it, and I try to record a podcast every week, and I thought this might be a good one. And the, the fan wanted to know if he had to keep one thing in mind when it came to locating fish, what would that be? And I pressed him a little bit on what kind of fish, what kind of water. He wanted to stay as vague as possible in his question. He said, no, no, I'm a multi-species guy. I fish all over the place. I fish for all kinds of fish. I want to know one thing that you're always paying attention to when it comes to locating fish, regardless of the scenario. And I thought about it for a few minutes, and it took me a little bit to come up with the exact answer to narrow it down, basically. I knew what I was looking for, but I couldn't figure out how to enunciate it. And it finally came down to this. Life on the edge. You need to be on the edge uh, for your day one stuff. And what do I mean by that? Well, we'll back up. You need to be on the edge. Well, when I really started thinking about it with this, with this guy, we were talking, and he's like, well, are you looking for you know deep spots? Are you looking for blah, 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 this, that, and the other? All these things you want to know if I was looking for. And I'm, no, I'm looking for the edges or the transitions of everything he mentioned. I kept thinking to myself, no, it's the edge we need. It's the edge. And then when I really look back to my entire year and really focusing on some of that, it occurred to me that every single bit of success I had just about for this entire year in terms of hunting or fishing came down to an edge somewhere. It came down to finding the right edge. And therefore, anything that fundamental deserves its own podcast. And I talk about edges and transitions a lot, but the edge itself is a more fundamental thing, in my opinion. Uh, transition is a form of edge for sure. And... Um, that's basically what it comes down to. But what do I mean when I say edges? Well, first let's look at it at the most fundamental level. Uh, big edges are where any sort of population of any sort of, of natural thing will congregate. So if you consider the human race for a minute, right? And I consider the human race as just a, the most complicated animal out there. Uh, but at the end of the day, we all follow the same things. We need, we need food, shelter, and water. We all reproduce. We all have the same basic concepts, uh, just that humans are a little more complicated because our brain's a little more developed. But we still have the same needs, and therefore we gravitate to some of the same things. Well, if you look at the United States, the population centers at the United States, or all around the United States, typically, uh, almost across the board, 
are on some sort of an edge. And the obvious one is the coast, okay? So let's look at that. If you look at the concentration of population in the United States, they're on one of the coasts more than anywhere else. And another really, and if you think about the coast, it's the distinct edge of the land and the ocean, major edge, okay? People congregate there because those giant edges provide the most variety of things. And I'll get back to that in a minute. Another really pronounced edge where we find lots of people is right here in my my home area, which is the Front Range of Colorado. The Front Range is defined basically as the eastern edge of the Rocky Mountains. Well, Colorado's flat, and I mean flat, all of flat, until you get to the edge of the mountains where I live, and literally you'll gain almost 2,000 vertical feet in elevation in two miles of horizontal. In other words, it goes from very flat to very steep. That is a very defined edge. And if you look at Colorado and you look at the population centers, literally the front range, 80% of the state is on that edge. And then the other major population centers are on the western edge of the Rocky Mountains, which obviously are a little bit west of here. So it's the edge that holds the population. And if you, if you define that down from there, you've got Denver, which is the biggest uh, population concentration in Colorado. Denver is where an edge is bisected by a river. The Platte River comes down, cuts the edge, and bisects it. And anywhere you have a bisection in an edge, you have a high percentage spot. Uh, Denver would be a high percentage spot to locate a large population of people. And so it's, again, it's a major edge that's bisected by another edge. And that's a key thing. And if you narrow it down even from there, you look at any lake. What is the most valuable real estate in any area? It is the waterfront real estate because it is an edge. And therefore, it is the most desirable edge. Uh, and when it's desirable, it's worth the most amount of money. And so people, again, will congregate there. Um, it's And to get away from people, if I start looking at, say, pheasants, it happens to be pheasant season or, or just wrapped up, uh, pheasant season. We walk giant cornfields, but we don't walk the whole cornfield. We walk the edges of the cornfield because, again, the birds will congregate at the edges in there. So... It's the edges that we work. When I look back at my antelope season and I'm hunting antelope, uh, the antelope I shot was right on the edge of a bedding field and a food field. And antelope will roam more than a lot of other things out away from edges, of course. But if you want to intercept one, doing that at an edge is a good call. And I want to point out that an edge can be defined as as... Uh, two different food groups together in the same field, right? A corn field that butts right up against a wheat field. Well, that edge provides the wildlife two different food sources as well as a cover crop. And that edge is an excellent place to locate them. So it's all about finding the edges and determining their value in term to you know locating fish and game. So since this is a fishing podcast, Let's move it down to a little bit smaller, um, let's say, realm and talk about how edges apply specifically 
to fishing. And the first one is obvious. It's as obvious as the one I said to start this thing off with humans and coastlines. The edge of the uh, river or the edge of the lake uh, that you're fishing is going to hold the bulk of the fish. And, and that's known as the littoral zone on the wet side. On the dry side, it's riparian. It's where the, where the two environments come together. The dry environment and the wet environment come together. Those edges hold the most amount of life because anything that lives there has the opportunity to feed or take cover on either side of that edge. And so things that come to mind obvious to me are things like bullfrogs or any other frog for that matter. Big numbers of them around the edges of the lake, okay? Uh, any sort of insect, water-dwelling insect, any sort of water birds all around the edges of the lake. They nest in the edges. All of those edges make a huge difference for the numbers of fish. Now, a little bit less obvious than that would be a defined drop-off. And when I say defined, I mean a sharp break, a drop-off. And drop-off is the edge of deep water and shallow water. And that becomes an excellent spot to fish. The deep water itself isn't typically the scenario, and nor is the shallow water. It's typically the edge that makes the difference. So let's say I'm fishing a creek channel. I'll typically fish both edges of the creek channel not the middle of the channel, uh, or at least I'll start there and make the fish prove me wrong. Uh, all other things being equal, I'll beat the bank on the lake uh, and make sure the fish aren't there because if they are on the edge, they're easier to catch. If they are, are on that, that shoreline edge, they're easier to catch. And again, it doesn't matter to me what kind of fish it is, whether they be walleyes, bass, or trout, doesn't matter. If they're on that shoreline edge, I can catch them easier because I can keep track of my depth ranges. I got visual targets to throw near or around. Uh, just in general, it's easier. But they could be on an offshore edge, like a drop-off of some sort uh, that would be defined as an edge, or a bottom content change where the bottom of the lake is otherwise the same except for an edge of a concrete boat ramp or the edge of going to uh, rock to gravel uh, transition area was another way to put that but I would call it the edge and the more defined it is the better it will be so something like the end of a dam you get to a dam and the edge of the dam is uh, very much more important than the dam itself. And it's because the transition at either end of the dam, the rocks, the riprap that forms the dam face, will then transition to a natural bank at one end or the other. Also, the rocks that form the dam face will give you a hard edge at the bottom of the dam. And that's where you'll oftentimes see my boat uh, is working right over the edge of the foot of a dam if it's in a reasonable depth range. Oftentimes it's too deep, but if it's not, that rock edge at the bottom of the dam is an excellent call. Uh, another really defined edge that uh, is a famous one more in bass and walleye than anything else, uh, but also for crappies, is going to be a roadbed. And a roadbed is no different than a drop-off. Typically it's the other way around. A lot of time they're raised. But even if they're not raised, they're going to have the uh, remnants of the road there, whether it be gravel or whatever the case is, from what the road was before it was inundated. And roadbeds are fantastic places to fish. And just like 
um, just like I would with a ditch or a, or a creek channel, I'll fish the edges of that road more uh, thoroughly or at least first and make the fish prove to me that they're scattered equally around there. So that's a very defined edge. Another really defined edge can be a mud line in the water where the water gets stirred up and it gets mud in the water. And that mud will generally form a line between it and the clear water. The water gets stirred up from either boat traffic or wind and muddy banks will get uh, will form that mud line. Those mud lines are best when that edge is most defined. In other words, when that mud line is relatively new. As the mud line ages, uh, over the course of a couple of hours, the edge will become far less defined and it won't be as good to fish. So that's a key thing about any sort of edge that I'm going to target as an angler is that edge the more defined it is, the better it will be as far as, as me catching fish. And also the more precise I can be with my casts to catch fish. The less defined that edge is, the more area I may have to work uh, to, to make sure that there aren't fish or are fish, as the case might be, on that particular uh, edge or around it. So Typically, when it comes to edges, I'll work right down the edge first. But while I'm doing that, assuming I contact fish on that edge, I will also make some exploratory casts off either side of the edge, whether it be up onto the shallow side or off onto the deep side, um, you know, anything like that. If it's an offshore edge, I will make some exploratory casts all the way around it. If I'm fishing a bank edge, then I will occasionally make some casts away out into more open water, again, just to keep the fish honest in case the fish are not heavily concentrated on the edge. It is my experience that the more stationary the fish get, the more specific to the edge they'll be, and the more that they are loose and roaming, in other words, maybe actively feeding times, they'll loosely relate to the edge, They'll more or less be there, but they won't necessarily be right on the edge while they're actively feeding or the wind's blowing, stuff like that. But in general, you want the most defined edges you can get, and then you want to work as precisely on that edge as you can. And if I can, I want my cast typically to be parallel with that. Um, or maybe at a 45 to it, so that they spend as much time as possible with my lure somewhere right around the edge zone right there. Other excellent edges could be weed lines. Weed lines are a very classic one. Anywhere we have submerged or, or for that matter, emergent vegetation, the edge of, of uh, you know, maybe offshore, um, uh, what am I trying to say, like cane grass or, or cattails or something like that, the edge of lily pad fields. You might have lily pad fields where there's fish all over the place in the lily pads fields, but you catch them on the various loosely defined edges that work all through those lily pad fields. It's very rare that lily pads are consistent all the way across. There's typically various edges as the bottom content changes or the depth changes a little bit, and those edges are where you will often find the bulk of your fish. So again, we're back to how defined is the edge and how the, and that may dictate how tight the fish or game for that matter will will use that edge. So that can be important. Another really big one uh, is the edge of fast and slow water, otherwise known as a current seam. Current seams are fantastic places to fish. Fish can either sit in the slow current and rest 
and then dart out into the fast current and grab whatever comes floating by, or they can fight the current itself a little bit um, and then take a rest, or a rest, I should say, as needed and pull into the slack water. But the edge of fast and slow water is very, very good scenario a lot of the time as well. And when it comes to fishing seams, the biggest thing needs to be is what direction do I need to bisect um, that seam uh, to come across in front of a fish's peripheral vision? Because one thing you can count on fishing currents, which direction they're facing. So I can dictate a little bit which direction my lure will come into their vision that way. Does it come straight down current right into their face? Does it come in from their peripheral, which is almost always my preference? Uh, in the last case scenario, does it come in from behind the fish, which is almost never my preference. But either way, keeping track of the edge and therefore which way fish are facing and then making your presentations is very important. So uh, that's one of the things that I keep in mind. Another thing that you could keep in mind from edge is the edge of light and dark, otherwise known as a crepuscular period. Uh, where it goes from being bright sunlight to sunset or conversely dark to sunrise. That edge is a time period edge, but it's an edge nonetheless or a transition nonetheless, and it will spur fish activity. Along those same lines, shade lines. Uh, shade lines can be fantastic. Anywhere you've got anything that's creating shade on the water, the edge of the shade and the, and the non-shade is really good. Uh, years ago, I won the high school national championship as a coach, and a high percentage of our fish, my kids caught by working chrome jerk baits, throwing them up into the shade, and then it's jerking them hard and fast, working the bait really fast until they hit that, that sunny edge. And then when they pop out in the sun, give them a distinct sudden pause right there. It was like, dink, 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 dink. Bait's going real fast, dink, dink, dink. And then it hits that sun and just stops. Wham, they'd get stroked. A large mouth, a small mouth, along with a bunch of other species were grabbing those baits as soon as they got out in the sun, strobed once or twice real hard, and then froze right there. Very, very good technique for getting um, getting the fish to, uh, to react right there. All of a sudden, it, it pops out in the open, it's visible, and it's a good thing to, uh, to work on. So another thing I'll do, back to from the hunting standpoint that you'll notice, is a lot of animals will hang up on the edge. They won't come all the way out. So one of those could be, for instance, deer, and anyone that hunts whitetails, right? They get on the edge of the timber, and they wait till dark to come out. I happen to hunt a private ranch, and the deer will literally hold up on the edge of the property, knowing that when they jump the fence, they're illegal, and they'll wait till dark at that edge, and they know. They'll walk all the way to that edge and then stage right there, and they'll wait for it to get too dark to shoot, and then they'll jump the fence. That's a learned behavior, but they're using that edge as a visible barrier. And just for the record, I've trained my Labrador what an edge is and all you have to do is point to an edge and tell him which side of it you want him to stay on and he'll stay there it doesn't matter if it's the edge of my driveway and the grass or if it's the edge of the hardwood floor in the kitchen and the carpet or it's a sidewalk somewhere where he's never been where i point the edge of the sidewalk out extend to him verbally which side he's supposed to stay on and he'll stay on that sidewalk indefinitely until told otherwise so he recognizes the edge and if the deer can recognize it in a hunting field and the dog can recognize it anywhere you take them, well, that tells me that so can every other critter out there recognize that edge. When you watch birds, they'll do the same thing. 
So it's very important to keep that concept in mind. And by the time I got done talking with the gentleman at Sportsman's Warehouse here just a little bit ago, it occurred to me that it's even probably more important than I might realize those those distinct edges and how much I gravitate to them almost without even thinking about it. As a lifelong outdoorsman, I don't even, I'm not even conscious of them anymore. I notice them and I'll attack them immediately as a, as a hunter or fisherman in terms of, of putting them in my strategy. But it's not something I even have to think about. It's almost second nature these days because... It's such a key thing. And yet I notice a lot of people will either drop a trolling motor and just take off down the bank and not pay attention. Now, the bank itself is an edge, but there's other edges that will bisect that or make changes to that edge, which are even better. And that's that's the other part of this podcast that's important to keep in mind. Any change in an edge is better than just the edge itself, which is why Denver's concentrated where the rivers come out because it's a bisection in the edge of the foothills and the plains and the river valley. And so anything along a bank that bisects the edge or anything along any sort of an offshore edge, any change in that edge is even better still. So anything that crosses that edge uh, is something that's going to get extra attention. And that can be a lot of different things. Uh, it could be a laydown, which is just a good piece of cover sticking out off the edge, but it could be a structural thing, like the edge of the lake where a secondary creek arm comes in, and now we've got you know two different edges. We've got a drop-off edge on the edge of the lake that's 90 degrees to the edge of the lake. can be fantastic, particularly I see that in man-made things. There's a place on a, a local lake I fish called Boyd Lake where they dug a man-made ditch in the reservoir, and it literally comes out 90 degrees to the bank, and that corner on each side of that ditch along that bank, you can fish the bank and catch some fish either side of the of that ditch. You can fish the edges of the ditch offshore and catch some fish all the time. But if you fish that corner, you can catch at least a fish or two every time in one or two casts. You just got to make precise casts to the corner of the two edges. So anywhere two edges come together is an even better spot than either one of the edges alone. So I get it, guys. It's a basic concept, and a lot of people think it through, but it's so fundamental that, and having guided for 20 years, seeing guys not notice why we're fishing there when I ask them, and I do that. I play devil's advocate. Why do you think we're fishing here? And see if guys can figure out why I picked that spot as a guide. And the overwhelming majority of the time, they cannot. Some can, and some will recognize, well, because the rocks change right here. Oh, exactly. Could be. But Unless it's very defined, most of them don't see the change. And that's why I figured it's worth talking about. It's worth putting into your fishing. I don't care if you're a fly guy drifting flies down current seams uh, and really reading the edges. And by the way, if that current seam has a you know some other bisection in it, well, then even better, right? And so you could be that. You could be a walleye guy trolling specific lines to stay on an edge or a, bank, a bass guy that's beating banks and fishing weed line edges or a crappie guy that's strapping straight down a, you know, a shadow shade line edge. But whatever it might be, focusing on those edges is very important. It will help you narrow, narrow down a bunch of water. And if you do like a bunch of fish on an edge, well, then maybe make exploratory casts, you know, a full cast length on either side of it maybe and see if the fish are more concentrated on one side or the other. But either way, the fish will help you, or excuse me, the edge will help you 
locate where the fish are and where you can get them to bite and also refine your casting angles in relation to that edge and that'll help you catch a whole bunch of fish. So hopefully the fundamental podcasts like this guys are, are not too basic. I, if they are, shoot me an email, chat at fishfulthinker.com. Uh, if you have an idea for a podcast, that'd also be great. I would love to do that. We do a lot of podcasts. I love doing them, um, but doing one a week, and, and I, I, I can't assume that everybody thinks like me. So if you've got something specific you want to see uh, or want me to talk about, let me know. I would love to do that. You can, again, email me that. Uh, you can also join the conversation at Fishful Thinker on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. We'd appreciate that very much. And if you have questions, you might go to our YouTube channel because there's 600 and some videos up there. A lot of stuff we talk about in the podcast has been addressed on video there. And we'd love it if you'd mash the subscribe button while you're there and get the notifications and help us grow that channel out. Uh, The more that we can get that channel to grow, the more effort we'll put into it and uh, hopefully better content we'll get. So... Most importantly, guys, I also hope you'll tune in at either Altitude Sports or World Fishing Network and see what we've got going on TV. We're most of the way through season or a little over halfway through season 28 right now. It's hard for me to believe, but we're getting good feedback on those from both networks. So if you guys want to check that out, we'd appreciate that very much. So I appreciate you tuning in. Go visit your local sportsman's warehouse. And this has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. <laughs>